In March of 2022, our family was forced to evacuate from Ukraine. We have served as missionaries in Lviv for over 20 years, and now, like so many others, we find ourselves suddenly displaced from our home, our church, and our precious Ukrainian friends. But despite the shock of evacuation, God is opening doors and leading us step by step down this new path. Our purpose is to bless and minister to Ukrainians affected by the war. Come with us as we share our stories, striving to serve God, bless people, and praying that someday soon, this journey will lead us back to our beloved Ukraine. Well, hello everyone. Kelsey and Joshua here. Hey, folks. Welcome back to the Journey to Ukraine podcast. Yeah, so Kels, it's good to have you back at the microphone again. Yeah, well, thanks. I'm glad to be back. And we have a number of things to discuss today. And um, before we jump into our main topic, I want to give a quick update about the good and evil ministry in Ukraine. Yes. I only heard this information that I'm about to share just today, right before we were going to do this episode. And I was really excited with what I heard about good and evil. So I'm going to share some stats with you here. As of last Saturday, we have sent out 98 cases of good and evil books to various churches and ministries in Ukraine. Mm. That is over 1,700 books. Wow. Praise the Lord. That's exciting. And also, we have 35 registered distributors now on our distributor registration program and we're excited that so many people have joined up to help us get these books out. Uh, new requests are also continuing to come in for being distrib- for being a distributor. That's fantastic. Yeah, I've been seeing uh, new new web requests come in as people fill out that form. So that's always encouraging. So the Good and Evil Project is rolling right along. And speaking of rolling, Joshua you're going to be rolling here pretty soon. Uh, But this time we're actually talking about a literal set of wheels. That's right. Uh, Those of you who have followed our ministry over the years may remember one of our most treasured missionaries, one of the best members of our team, which is our yellow van. Um, And believe it or not, this van, which is more than 30 years old, is still running. Now, since we evacuated to Slovakia, uh, and you may remember we, we came to Slovakia in that van. That was the only vehicle that we had at the time. Um, but in time, God provided for us to get our newer van, the blue one. And of course, that's the one that we drive most often. And what that means is that the yellow van has mostly just been uh, sitting in our driveway. And I have to remember to go out and start it and keep it running. Um, but the fact is that it's just, we, we've been cognizant of the fact that it's just not doing anybody a lot of good. It's not good for a vehicle to sit long-term anyway, and just sitting in the, in the driveway, it's not serving anybody. It's not really fulfilling any purpose. So we've been doing some checking and we have made arrangements, uh, for me to take the yellow van back into Ukraine and actually leave it there with Yura Petriv. So those of you who have followed our podcast heretofore may remember Yura, um, He's a longtime friend and a member of our church there in Lviv, and he's been working actively with this humanitarian aid organization called um, Radekivsky Hospodeni, which we've talked about many times. And so I'm going to drive the van back into Ukraine. I'm going to leave it with Yura, and then he'll be able to use it both for transporting humanitarian aid out to the place in Radekiv, which is an hour or so outside of Lviv. But he will also be able to use this for picking up loads of good and evil books and taking them to the um, to the courier uh, office or the postal service or wherever. Um, 
So uh, that is coming right up in the morning. We are less than 24 hours now from go time. So we would really appreciate your prayers for a smooth trip. In particular, pray first of all for uh, the mechanical state of the van, that we wouldn't have any breakdowns. We have had some work done on it. Uh, The van has new tires. I've replaced the alternator. It has uh, new brakes, I think, in the back. Several things that we've done. But nonetheless, it's still a 30-year-old vehicle and anything can happen. So pray that I'll be able to make the trip without any mechanical failures failures, and that the van will continue to serve us well as it's in Ukraine and Yura is driving it and so forth. Um, pray also for the border crossing. That's always a bit of a question mark when it comes to documents and residency and when was the last time you crossed the border and what are you carrying and what is all this coffee and Snickers that you're bringing? <laughs> we're, we're bringing in a few things for uh, for some soldiers. Um, so anyway, and also, of course, pray for Kelsey and the kids as they'll be staying behind here in Slovakia. Uh, the plan is for me to be gone about a week. Right. And um, we'll be counting down the days till you get back. That's right. Really looking forward to this trip. I have not been to Ukraine now in around six months, and that's largely due to uh, the, the fact that we were in the middle of our residency application. But now I have my residency. I am a card-carrying temporary resident of the Slovak Republic. And with that, I am excited to go back to Ukraine, and we appreciate your prayers as I travel. So as we record this episode, it is Friday, and Fridays now have a new feature for our family. That's right. Uh, we're off in another hour or so to, I think, what's our fourth, Joshua? I believe fourth? that's right, yes. Ukrainian Family Fellowship. So, Josh, what is our Ukrainian Family Fellowship? And tell us a little bit about how that got started. Well, this is something that I'm really excited about. Excited about. Um, this is basically a group of Ukrainian families that have been attending our Slovak church here in Ukraine. Um, but we have gotten together and we've started a midweek kind of a, we just call it a family fellowship meeting, but it's a time where we can gather with Ukrainian families, Ukrainian speakers, and we can, we can sing songs. We read the Bible together. We, um, of course, share food and fellowship in the Ukrainian language. So the Slovak language is actually quite close to Ukrainian as, as languages go, but it's still a distinct language. And if you're not used to hearing it, and even if you are, a, say, a Ukrainian or Russian speaker, you're not necessarily going to understand Slovak. Now, the Ukrainians that attend our church, they have gotten jobs here in Slovakia. They actually tend to interact with the local Slovak population more so than we do. And, you know, so their language skills, as far as Slovak language, are improving quickly. But in recent weeks, as I've talked to them, when they listen to a Slovak um, service at church or whatever, they say that, you know, they might understand 50 to 60, 70 percent of it, depending on the person. It's still a foreign language. And there's something special about being able to gather with other believers Mm -hmm. who are your same language group and worshiping the Lord in that language that you understand, the songs that you remember, the songs that you're used to at church, reading the Bible in your native language. We all know how valuable and important those things are. So this is a this is kind of a new ministry that started here for us, and we'd like to tell you more about it. But to do that, we've actually written in more detail in our upcoming issue of Overseas Field Report, which before we had a podcast, you may remember we had a newsletter, and we still have one. <laughs> so if you want to hear more more detail about this new family fellowship group that we've got going and what God is doing there, we would encourage you to keep your eyes out for this issue of our newsletter, which will be coming out probably in a couple of days. If you have subscribed previously to our website, to our blog, the uh, ofreport.com blog, then you'll get an email notification when the newsletter comes out. Uh, you'll be able to download it as a PDF, or if you're on our regular mailing list, you'll get a hard copy. 
But suffice it to say, we are meeting together actively every week with Ukrainian families here in Jelina. We're excited about what God is doing, and we would appreciate your prayers for this new ministry. Right, so as Joshua mentioned a minute ago, he now has his Slovak residency card, and that's what's enabling him to go in and out of the country right now. But for myself, I have not yet been able to get my residency. And on December 19th, we have an appointment to go into the foreign police again and submit, and that will be our fourth time to try to submit documents for my residency. And just various things, you know, at first they needed to use time getting Joshua registered, and then after that there were complications with our documents. And so we're hoping that we have everything in order and that the tune won't change when we go in again on December 19th. So we would appreciate your prayers for that. We're hopeful that I would be issued my residency card sometime shortly thereafter, sometime in the new year. So, Josh, it was pretty cold this morning when we got up. I think it was in the 20s. That's right. And we're heading into a cold winter here in Europe. And I think of all the millions of Ukrainians who are facing the challenge of how to stay warm. Most of our listeners are probably aware that Russia has targeted and destroyed a lot of Ukraine's Mm -hmm. energy infrastructure over the past many weeks. So, Joshua, can you tell us more about what Ukrainians are facing this winter and also just the latest war update from your perspective? Yes, certainly. Um, So for its part, Russia continues its brutal attack of the Ukrainian people. Um, And I want to underscore that this is so much more than a political conflict between two governments. Certainly it is that. Certainly there's the Ukrainian government and the Russian government. There's the U.S. government and the different governments of NATO. Politics are often ugly, and there are certainly no angels in the room when it comes to that. But the no pun intended, the cold, hard reality on the ground is that the Russian state has reduced itself to one war crime after the next as they relentlessly pound the Ukrainian civilian energy infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And what this has meant um, is that uh, Ukrainians all across the country, millions of them, are sitting in the dark. Wherever you are, if you're in the, the northern hemisphere of the world, Um, uh, you're probably experiencing cold weather and it feels good when you come out of the garage or out of the backyard and it's cold and you step inside or maybe you go to the store and you have to be outside in the parking lot for a few minutes and you, you duck into the store and you're grateful for that heat. You don't even think about it. Um, the reality right now for Ukrainians is that many of them, perhaps even most, uh, across the country, both in major cities and in smaller towns, are dealing with extended power outages. So to give you an idea of what that means, you know, when I was growing up and we had a power outage, if the power went off for two hours, we were grouchy. I mean, what's going on? Why is our power off? A power is supposed to be just on all the time. Right. The latest reports I'm reading about Lviv indicate that they can only keep the power on for about 30% of the people at any given time. So after the recent round of missile strikes from Russia, which hit substations and power plants and all kinds of things, they've been able to reconnect everybody. But because of all the damage to the, the electricity grid and the power plants, they can on, the, the grid can only withstand about 30% of the load that it normally would. And so you can't turn everybody on at once. The grid would just fail. Mm-hmm. Right now, and they've they've had different schedules. They will 
they'll announce one schedule and stick to that for a while of the of the blackouts, and then Russia will hit them again with more missiles, and the the whole the whole picture will change. But as of the last 24 to 48 hours, the reports I'm reading are that right now the scheduled blackouts in Lviv are following what they call the 484 pattern. So that's four hours of power eight hours without power, and then back on for four. So I think the way they try to run that is you wake up in the morning, and during the um, during the morning hours, maybe when you're getting ready for work or whatever, getting cleaned up, starting your day, you have power for four hours. Then it goes off. And then for eight hours, you have nothing. No internet, can't cook if you have, um, if you have electricity, which like the region where our house is in Lviv, uh, we are full electric region, region. We don't even have gas there. <clears throat> so that you can't means, even boil water yeah, in that kitchen without electricity. Right. You can't have a cup of tea. You can't boil water. You can't turn the heat on. The house begins to get cold. Um, and these these apartment buildings in Ukraine are made of brick and steel. They don't use the wood construction like we do. And that has its advantages and disadvantages. But one problem is that buildings like that, you sort of have to keep ahead of the curve in order to keep them warm. If they if they cool off too much, it's sort of like a compounding losing battle. Uh, it's sort of like trying to boil a, a pot of water if you you know turn on the stove for 10 seconds and then turn it off for 30 seconds and then turn it on for 10 and then turn it off for 30. Mm-hmm. Boiling water is not just an, an on-off thing. You have to you have to leave the heat on for a long enough time that you can gain some you know some thermal mass and make some progress. And these buildings are like that. If you let them cool off too much, the cold gets into the walls just like your you know Coleman cooler that you used to take on a camping trip. And then it takes a prolonged period of heating to get it back up. And I honestly don't know if the, you know, if the windows when they have electricity and, and, and heat are long enough to actually stay ahead of that curve or not. It probably varies from one area to the building next. Building to building, yeah. Right. But suffice it to say, um, it's tough. People are just going into winter. The the temperatures are dropping and um, and Russia has repeatedly attacked the uh, the civilian heating and energy infrastructure. Um, another thing to be aware of is that we are now just over the past uh, couple of days, we've been hearing some very disturbing reports from multiple sources about um, a buildup of Russian bombers at an airbase in uh, Western Russia, a place called Engels Air Base, which is a little bit north of the Caspian Sea. And there are some satellite images. Uh, if you if you look around on the news, you can see them that show as many as 24, I think, um, Russian bombers. These are a combination of the Tu-95 Bear bombers. You often see pictures of those um, in reports about Russians making uh, incursions near Alaska. They're, they're these big kind of boxy prop plane bombers. But they're also using the Tu-160 Blackjack bombers, which is essentially the Russian kind of a knockoff of America's B-1 bomber, if you know what that looks like. And in addition to these bombers, there are lots of cargo transport planes that have been photographed on the runways near them. And the speculation is that the transport planes are bringing loads of cruise missiles, which are then being loaded onto these bombers in preparation for a major strike. Now, I've heard different reports. Some reports I've read say that if you look at historical patterns and satellite imagery of this airbase, that this uh, this quantity of bombers being there is not necessarily unusual. That being said, given the current climate and the current events that we've been seeing over the past two months, when we see Russia start to concentrate a bunch of bombers that we know are capable of carrying cruise missiles and then cargo planes, uh, cargo transports parked right next to them, um, it seems fairly reasonable to assume yeah, that they are that they're gearing up for a massive attack. 
Um, so please pray, uh, pray for Ukraine, pray for the people, pray that uh, these missiles would be shot down. Ukraine, Ukraine's uh, air defense capabilities are going up. Um, I read uh, today or yesterday that uh, the U.S. has recently awarded a contract to, I think, Raytheon to build uh, new uh, NASAM air defense systems for Ukraine. Um, they need that. And I understand, you know, again, when we talk about politics, there's concerns about, well, why is the U.S. getting, their, getting themselves involved in another European war? Um, I realize that raises concerns. But the fact of the matter is we have a major power, the Russian Federation, that is oppressing its weaker neighbor. Um, and I'm glad, I for one am very glad that the United States has supported Ukraine, has provided them weapons. I want, or I hope that they will continue to provide them weapons and provide them more weapons, stronger weapons that will allow them to withstand this aggression. This doesn't need to happen. There's no political or world order that says a country like Ukraine needs to just roll over and submit to the tyranny of Russia. Russia has become an evil force. They need to be defeated. Um, and we continue to stand fully behind Ukraine and behind their um, efforts at throwing off the uh, this this evil power that's invaded their land. So that's a quick update on what's going on. Um, in particular, uh, please pray for me as I'm going to be going to Ukraine. Nobody knows when the next missile barrage will come. It will surely come. It may very well come while I'm in Lviv. Um, but regardless whether I'm there or not, millions of Ukrainians and missionaries and other people are there. They're trying to live their mm -hmm. lives and stay warm. And uh, we need to pray for them that God would protect them mm -hmm. from the evil that's come to their land. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode here. We are quite excited and encouraged by this new Ukrainian Fellowship meeting. And as we said yes. before, we're going to be sending out our newsletter in a few days. So if you aren't subscribed to our blog, be sure to, to do that. And we believe that God is at work um, in Slovakia and in the lives of Ukrainians. And so we're just grateful that we can be a part of that. And we're grateful for your prayers. Absolutely. Please pray that God will continue to bless our little group, uh, these families that we're meeting with. It's been such an encouragement to our family and I think to them as well as we've gotten together and we've been reading the scriptures in Ukrainian. As we said earlier, please keep praying for Ukraine. Pray for peace, for liberty, for victory over the oppressor. We believe in Ukrainian victory. Uh, we don't know when it will come, but um, we believe that the Ukrainians are on the side of the right. Uh, we're praying for their victory. We are impressed and excited and honored um, to see the progress that they're making and to be associated uh, with this beautiful country. So that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening and have a fantastic day. May God bless Ukraine. Nechai Bog Ukraine.